We're live. All righty uh, Welcome to Fat Fish. I'm Brad Cocktails Grunberg, and that is... I'm Eric, Eric the Fish Snyder. What are we fat on today, buddy? Oh, uh, we're fat on such a legend. A, a, a great man, a oh. singer, and a humanitarian... Ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, Mr. Tony Orlando. Hey. Uh, by the way, I'm Fat Fish Tony today. <laughs> oh, no. What crew are you in? <laughs> Don't take me out to the desert, please. Oh, please. <laughs> uh, Tony Orlando. We have I so love you. Fun. You know that, don't you? I know you I love me, and I love you. You know, man. I met you on the set to That's My Boy. That's it. You were the closing scene. And I remember the streets in Boston were crowded left and right of you as you ran down that street in the middle of that great city. There you were. And I didn't know what to expect until I saw the film. But here's, here's the deal with you. And Adam and I both said it after the movie. You're one of the nicest, nicest people to ever, ever, ever be in this business. They don't make them like you, Brad. They don't. And I want you to know it's an honor to be with you. Oh, thank you, Tony. I learned from the best. That's you and Adam Sandler. Uh, that's my boy, uh, Fish, Adam Sandler movie. And it's interesting. I, I, was, I became friends with uh, another great Orlando, John Orlando. My son. And, uh, and uh, he said, you got to go see him with my dad. You got to go in there. So it, there was his dressing room. I went there. I knocked on the door. And I think you were on the phone talking to your wife or your beautiful daughter, Jenny. And I go, I'm Johnny Cocktails. He goes, oh, I've heard about you. And he gets off the phone and we just started talking. The story I want to start off with is... Can I just say something about that's my boy for a minute? Oh, please. Okay, so I'm in this business now, you know, 62 years, right? Mm -hmm. 52 years headlining in Vegas, okay? Pretty yeah. good run, right? Just uh, I had, no, right. So seven years doing about 70 million records with Dawn, right? Having our own television show for four years on CBS, correct? correct? All that stuff. So you meet a young person who's under 30. They have no idea who Tony <laughs> Orlando is. They don't have any idea. Yellow ribbon or knock three times. But this they do know. I walk through an airport and I meet a young guy, maybe in his early 20s, and he stops showing the power of motion pictures and goes, what up to me, which the scene I did with Adam. So I always pull the kid aside and I say, wait a minute. <laughs> you saw that's my boy? He goes, yeah, you were, the, you were the fat boss owner in that movie. Yeah, I remember you. I said, yeah, that's me. Did you know that there was a past before that? He goes, no. Did you ever hear him knock three times? He goes, no. Should we hear yellow ribbon? He goes, no. But you know, what's up? So my whole career comes down to one word. What's up? After and I'm always putting Adam on about it. But the power of film, would you agree, is pretty amazing? And the power of Adam Sandler. He's an and amazing guy. Sandler. And he just got the uh, the Mark Twain Award for comedy I know. Uh, in, in, in Washington. It's going to be great, yeah. Adam's such a special guy. And he, and I I talked to him about you, Tony, and he's like, I can't believe I got Tony Orlando to be in my movie. I go, is he the best? He goes, oh my god, I'm 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 starstruck. I go, I am too. No, it's so true. You know, Tony, the great story for me and you is, my sister loved Tony growing up. Tiffany, Tiffany Grunberg, Hovey now, and on her wall she had three people: Donny Osmond, Pat <laughs> Payo. And 
Tony Orlando. How about that, man? What a trio. <laughs> trio? More Tony Orlando than Donny Osmond and Scott Bale. So my parents say we're going to on a trip. They go, oh, my God, where are we going? We're going to San Diego. We're like, oh, great. Oh, I get to the airport, and I see it says Las Vegas. I go, Mom and Dad, why does it say Las Vegas? Oh, we, oh it, it ends up in Las Vegas. We first go to San Diego. They drop us off, and then we go. So all of a sudden, we land, and my parents turn to us and go, we're in Las Vegas. I go, I thought we were going to San Diego. She goes, nope. We're going to see Tony, Orlando, and Don. We go crazy. Riviera Hotel. It's us. Look at that. Uh, Tony, do you still have that tuxedo, by the way? No, but I have a couple that from around that period, actually. And it's kind of funny to look at. You know what's weird about that tuxedo is it was $4,000 per tuxedo. What? Back then. Okay. Was it Armani or was it? Uh... No, no, no. It was, it was by an Italian tailor who did all of Elvis's capes and all of his clothes. And he also did Liberace. And he was famous kind of all by himself. And a uh, little Italian guy, he made these suits. And here's the great thing about this, the work of art that he did with these tuxedos. I worked in that tuxedo. I had about four of them. I worked in that tuxedo. And did 4,000 shows in that tuxedo. And that's the God's honest truth. And if I walked on stage tomorrow, you'd think I bought that tuxedo yesterday. So my my father used to say, everything cheap is expensive. Everything (laughs) expensive is cheap. (laughs) I love your dad. Your dad's name? What was your dad's name? Leo. Leo, baby. Oh, God. So we get to Las Vegas. Charles Silverman, he lived across the street from us. He was uh, he did all the casinos and and uh, the uh, casino floor and the rooms and all that for all the guys who used to, you know, run Vegas. That's when Vegas was great. And there's Tony Orlando. Best seats in the house. My family. All of a sudden, Tony starts singing. He starts. He gets off stage. Oh, my God. He's oh, my God. We were a plant. He walks right up to our table and starts serenading to my sister, Tiffany. Oh, yeah. And oh. she climbs under the table and he didn't see any of it. She was so scared because <laughs> she loved Tony so much. And it was so great. And it was like we watched Tony Orlando and Don on CBS. I mean, Tony, you've been uh, a member of our family for so many years. And then meeting your son, he, you know, and Jenny. But John is such a great guy. He's a mensch. He's such a good person. And I love uh, I love everything John Orlando. And he has a great podcast, too. You know? He does. And, you know, one of the things about I'm proud of with my son and my daughter is that they're able to stay in touch with people that they knew almost all their lives. Now, John will say, hey, you know, I spoke to Carmen Caramonica. Now, let me tell you who that is. <laughs> yeah. That's a guy who played guitar for me when John was four. And I said, well, wait a minute. You talked to Carmen, who just passed away, by the way, because you talked to Carmen. He goes, yeah. I said, John, how many times have you spoken to Carmen since he's left me? He goes, I talk to him all the time. I was embarrassed. I said, I haven't spoken. (laughs) I don't even know. And he stays in touch with people as well as my daughter. And the proudest thing that I have about them is their relationships that they keep 
with other people for many, many years. My daughter's best friend, she went to kindergarten with and still is her best friend. So that's a quality in, the, in my kids that I truly respect because it tells me that they have maintained relationships and people still love them, yeah. just as you just so kindly mentioned. Because John was special and so is my daughter, Jenny. And your beautiful wife. Oh, she's so Franny. sweet. Oh, yeah. Franny. I don't know what I'd do without Fran, you know. Oh, God. You know, Eric, uh, let me tell you about, you know, we got to go to the... By the way, forgive me if you Do you remember the theater you were in when you came with Tiffany? Which uh, Riviera. It was the Riff. Riviera, ah. yeah, the Riviera. Oh, my God, the, the red leather uh, booths, the whole bit. We were at a table. Oh, Tony, I'm rem I mean, I was 12 years old. I remember like it was yesterday. But Here's some crazy history because you're Vegas, right? Over there. Your bar is in Vegas, right? Yes. So you saw me at the Riviera, which was the first Vegas hotel we ever worked, the girls and I. Hmm. And we worked it starting in 1963. We opened for Don Rickles. Oh. We were the opening act for Rickles. Uh. That was before we had the TV show. So all we had was the hits. Candida, not three times, Yellow Ribbon. Gypsy Rose was not out yet. And we opened for Don. Then Don left and we stayed and opened for Shecky Green. So our first time in Vegas, we're working for these two legendary comics. And what I learned for them in three weeks, you cannot learn in any university, right? So the Riviera was famous for Dean Martin, Liberace, myself, we were selling out shows. And I got this idea. I wanted to work the Hilton, which is now the uh, the, the West uh, Westgate. The Las Vegas Hilton is now the Westgate. That's where Elvis worked. So I wanted to work the same room that Elvis worked. So now we get the TV show. And I go to the head of the Riviera, Tony Zoppi. And I said, listen, if I could get Engelbert Humperdinck to come over here for 10 weeks and then I could go over to the Hilton for 10 weeks. Would you go for that deal? And everybody said, you'd never get that to happen. Well, it so happens that R Riviera was trying to get Engelbert. The only way they could get him was for this idea. We're going to share. You'll have Tony for 10 weeks and Dawn. We'll have Engelbert for 10 weeks over here. So I was doing 20 weeks a year in Las Vegas. But here's the thing. My suite at that hotel was the same suite uh, as Elvis Presley's. So all of us who were headlining in that room also had the opportunity of staying in that 10,000 square foot, get that, house that was built on the top of the Hilton Hotel, Brad. Oh, my because, God. I mean, just think, a 10,000 square foot home on the top of that roof built for originally Barbara Streisand, who was supposed to open that casino hotel and it was called the international so i got a chance i'd come in on us on a let's see we would open on a friday night so i'd come in thursday night see elvis and sit with elvis in that in that no way dressing room and have a relationship with him uh after all and we became very close friends and i just want to say that my life in vegas my time in vegas is really almost like a dream to me, Brad, because when I look back, I was friends with Frank. I was friends with Sammy. I was friends with Jerry. I was friends with Dean. I was friends with Joey Bishop. I was friends with Elvis Presley. And I look back at those times, man, and I go, 
did I did I really live that? Did I really hang with those guys? Did I really get on stage and sing with Sinatra and work with Sammy Davis? Sammy and I opened Harris, the Harris Hotel that's in Las Vegas. We opened that hotel together, co-headlining. And I look back on my time in Vegas and say, this is, this is almost like a dream to me. I, I, I go back there and think, was I really here during the time when Vegas was, as you put it, <laughs> in those days? Was I really here when Frank was holding court with guys like Sammy Davis and Dean Martin? Yeah, I was there. Because you're one so of I, them, Tony. You're I look one. back at my time in Vegas, and I think this town is a dream castle for me that I still don't even believe I was there at the time it happened. So if this, when you tell me the story that you were the, the audience during that time and that I hit you in a positive way and made Tiffany happy, that's the story in its completion. Well, you know, you judge your kids by how they treat other people. And I've met your son, John, and I, I'm a father myself. So uh, like, like Brad said, he's a mensch. I grew up in L.A. I live in Vegas now the last 30 years, Tony. You're still a legend. When I was a kid in L.A., everyone had a poster on their walls of Farrah Fawcett. Remember her in a bikini? And then, and everyone in the shower sang Tie Yellow Ribbon because they wanted to be Tony Orlando. Tony Orlando was John Travolta before John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. You're still a legend here. And, and you know, when we finally have you on the show, you know, all the older generation that are my friends, oh, my God, I had the biggest crush on him. The question I have for you is a lost art that we don't have that we had back in the 70s. And you you experienced this, Brad. You remember watching these. Remember the Carol Burnett show, The Hollywood Palace, Ed Sullivan? You and I, I want to ask you, I, I can guarantee you, you and Don appeared on some of those shows live. What was that experience like? Well, we were on that same period of time. I mean, Carol Burnett was on just a few years before us. Right. But then when we came on, we were on from 73 to 78. And here's what I remember about Carol Burnett. You know, it's weird when I think back to those variety shows. Imagine this. It was like being in high school and the bell would ring for lunch. And out of the school rooms, in this case, out of the dressing rooms, would come Cher, Carol Burnett, myself, Talma and Joyce of Dawn, uh, all in the family, everyone from all in the family. We were all on the same floor because all of our Rehearsal halls were side by side. So when the bell rang for lunch to go to the commissary, we would all gather in this hallway. And little did I know, I was walking with these legends. I was walking with Carol Burnett and Cher and Sonny and, and Carol O'Connor. I shared the, my office was also Carol O'Connor's office. We wow. shared the same office. So when I think back to that time, when you say, what was it like? Again, it's this blurry dream. I look back on it as this kind of, did I dream this? Because it was so overwhelming. Now that in retrospect, to the people who you think I'm a legend, I look at these people like super legends. And to think I was having lunch with them at, at the break when the bell would ring, like a high school would go to lunch, Carol said to me one day, I, boy, I, I didn't listen to her. And I should have. Because this, this, was a, this was someone who knew all things about this business. She says, what time did you get in today? 
I said, I got in at 5.30 this morning. Why? I said, well, I had to come in because I'm, I'm also one of the writers on the show and I, I had to get the guys for coming next week and then I'm going to rehearse with the girls about nine o'clock. She goes, and then what time do you leave? I said, I leave um, at nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. Okay, and when do you tape? I said, we tape uh, uh, live to tape Thursday nights. And, uh, and uh, you do you dress rehearsal tape? I said, yes. What time does that start? I said, well, that starts early. Then what time does this actual taping start? I said, I think at eight o'clock. And what time does you end? I said, about one o'clock. Where were you the night before? This is the truth. She says, where were you the night before? I said, I was in the studio doing the pre-records for the show that we're doing just because I used to do pre-record band because I didn't want to do live band because in those days, sound wasn't important to television. They really didn't care about sound. The closest they came to caring about sound was uh, uh, soap operas that had an organ on it. And that was it. They didn't know from monitors. They didn't know from any of that. So I wanted the sound to be right. She says, so she says, okay, so you start at six in the morning every day, 5.30. You're out of here at 10 o'clock at night. You come back at five in the morning. You go out the Thursday night. You're doing the recording at Thursday night. You're there till what time? Two in the morning, two in the morning. You come back in the morning, eight in the morning to do the taping, right? You do the dress rehearsal, right? Then you do the makeup. Then you go there. She goes, you're not going to last, Tony. You're not going to last. You're going to burn out. If you don't learn to allocate your time, you're going to burn out. This is a tough one, these variety shows. Don't think they're not. And I didn't listen to her. And I remember that when I had my breakdown after Freddie passed away, I was, I was down to bone. I was down to nerve ends, just from fatigue and tiredness, extraordinary tiredness, because I had not listened to Carol Burnett. Because Carol Burnett would walk in at three o'clock in the afternoon. And she'd have all of her sets already done and she'd have Harvey and, and everybody else doing the sketches for her. And then she would come in and do her thing and be, she would leave at eight o'clock at night. She was on 11 years, wow. looking the same at the end of that 11 years as she did when she started year one. If you look at me at year one, at the end of four years, I was emaciated, tired, depressed. When I lost Freddie, all of that combined, being tired and being depressed and him passing away the way he did, hmm. broke me. And if I had just listened to her, I probably would have been strong enough and healthy enough to be able to handle the devastation of losing that young man. So we basically, what you learned from her, listen to the, listen to the people that have come before you that uh, you know made mistakes and they don't want you to make the mistakes. Right. And, uh, yeah. And you did that at Radford in Studio City, right? The CBS Radford lot. Is that where you filmed that? Yeah, we did that uh, Television City. Yeah, tell, oh, in Television City. On Fairfax. Yeah. Oh, on Fairfax. That's where you filmed The big oh, building. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Legendary. That's where all those shows came from. You know, you, you know, uh, Eric, you know, Tony's not just an unbelievable entertainer. He has been so devoted to his band. He had, you have people in your band that have been there almost from the start. You keep 40 every, years. My drummer's been with me 40 years. And and to be a friend of Tony is to be a brother. He's stuck by Freddie Prince, an amazing comedian. He was on uh, on many shows. He was a young man. Um, and uh, Eddie, with Eddie Albert. Uh, Pico and the Man. Pico, uh, Chico and the Man. 
such a great show and he took his own life. What well, if you could tell us a little bit about that, Tony? I know it's probably still still tough for you. Well, you know, um, go to YouTube sometime and look up Freddie's first appearance on the Tonight Show. It'll blow your mind that this young kid, 19 years old, 19, went on the Tonight Show in its prime. And when you talk about bowling strikes in terms of laughs, bam, 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 bam. It was ridiculous. Johnny Carson and Sammy were the people at the watching him work that night. And you could see them. In, they were in astonishment that this 19-year-old old spirit called Freddie Prince was up on that stage blowing the Tonight Show audience away. So at 19... He found his start. At 22, he was gone. He was only in this business for two years on television. Two years. Wow. And yet people still remember him like he was in the business 20 years. Because the impact that he had and the genius of comedy that he had within him was Astonishing. In fact, I remember the night that he hosted. Remember, he hosted the Tonight Show at 21 years old. Johnny said, Here, wow. here's the microphone. You go out and host. And his first guest was Bob Hope. And in those days, of course, Bob Hope was the king. Yeah. And I'm standing in the wings ready to follow Bob because the first act on the Tonight Show was always the big one because that was the early crowd that didn't go to sleep yet. So you had the whole audience at 11 o'clock Eastern time. So out came Bob Hope, sits with Freddie Prince. Bam, 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 bam. Every line, a laugh. Every question, a laugh. Bob Hope walks off and I'm ready to come on and he passes me by and goes, who the hell? <laughs> and I said, That's, his name is Freddie Prince. He goes, I don't care what his name is. This is a genius out there. This was Bob Hope talking about a 21-year-old kid okay, who had the elegance and style and demeanor to handle hosting the number one television show of its time at 21 years old. At 22, he was gone. At 22, he committed suicide, and we lost him. Did you? And one thing about our business and life, you never, you know, you think somebody's doing great, but you never know what's happening behind the curtain in their life. Oh, we knew. Oh, you did know. Oh, oh yeah, you, yeah, we knew. Oh, you knew. You know, uh, Freddie. Freddie often talked about it. Freddie uh, often uh, talked about it to me. Wow. I didn't think he'd ever do it. Yeah. Um. I remember being, you know, the, the house that OJ lived in. Yeah. In on Britain. Rockingham, on Rockingham. That's the house I brought John up in. Oh, rip! Oh, you had the house before. That's right, before. Wow. Yeah, wow. Exactly. told me about that. Oh my goodness, yeah, that was our house. That was your. Oh my, unbelievable. So that house was cursed. Oh God. Because I remember, prior to us living there, we were leasing the house for four years. Prior to us living there, uh, it was Carol King and her husband who got divorced. They were leasing the house. Prior to them, it was Carly Simon who owned the house, and she broke up with James Taylor. I had my first marriage ended in that house, and also in that pool 
I'll never forget Freddie in the pool with me saying to me, you know, I'll tell you what my clothes is going to be, Tony. My clothes is going to be on the front page of the Daily News in New York. Young Freddie Prince gone at 22. He said that to you? To me. In wow. the pool. Oh. I said, Freddie, come on, stop. He goes, no, man. He goes, that's why they remember James Dean. That's why they remember Marilyn Monroe. And then at that moment in time, I said, listen, don't even talk like that, Freddie. Part of me was thinking he was just being dramatic, which us Latins have the ability of being very dramatic at times. He was half Puerto Rican and half Hungarian. I'm half Greek and half Puerto Rican. So we had that in common. So I said, Freddie, please don't. He said, oh, no, man, I'm only kidding you, man. I just want to blow your mind and make you say, oh, yeah. But he wasn't kidding. I thought he was just pulling my leg. So when you say, you know, no, we didn't know because he was a comic, because he was a genius comic, because he could make a laugh out of a story like that. He could make you laugh out of a story like that, make you the buffoon out of a story like that. So none of us thought this was something he was feeling inside. Somewhere in his past, he was thinking this way. And when talking about John, when Freddie actually did this to himself, John's bedroom was across from my bedroom. And I hear John scream, Daddy, Daddy, Uncle Freddie's in trouble, Daddy. And he's crying. He's a little kid. But what are you talking about? He goes, it's on television, Daddy. Uncle Freddie is in the hospital. Da Uncle Freddie, John Orlando, my son. So I go to the TV. I find out you know, he's at UCLA, Freddie. And I go to UCLA and I'm by his side I'm until the last month, the last pair of lips that kissed his lips after his mom and his wife were these lips right here. When I said goodbye to Freddie, it was one of the most devastating days. First of all, I'd never seen anybody die. Second of all, he was a kid, 10 years younger than me. He was like, like my adopted younger brother. They were the only ones in the neighborhood in Hollywood that had success that knew what Arrocompollo was, you know? We, we ate the same Puerto Rican foods growing up. He's from Washington Heights. I'm from Chelsea. There was a, a brothership right from the get-go. So when Freddie died, it had such an impact on me that I couldn't work for a year. I couldn't work. I couldn't even walk out on stage. I, I, I just couldn't. I, I wanted to give it up because we were running the same circles and we were being very self-destructive as everybody was in the seventies. And the trio really was Richard Pryor, Freddie and myself. Wow. We were the three musketeers that hung together. Wow. Wow. And yeah. so it was a, it was a terrifying, ugly, again, in retrospect, I think, how did I survive? Why did I survive? Freddie came from great parenting. He has a great son. He had a great wife. Something in him was burning that was beyond all of that. He had some demons. Some, the demons were there from something else, from somewhere yeah, else. Sure. But, but the greatest thing about Freddie Prince, for me, 
is that I knew him. And that uh, he was my brother for Great two picture. Years. That's a great picture. That's a picture from a sh my variety show. He came on and we did this thing called um, uh, Road to Puerto Rico. Remember the old road movies by Bing Crosby? Yeah, Bing yeah. But we were actually signed before that, before he died, to do a remake of the road movies called Road to Puerto Rico. And Bob and Bing were going to produce the movies. So we had signed for them for 10 movies, road movies. So it would be the singer, the comic, the same kind of structure as it was for Bing and Bob. And of course, you know, it didn't happen. But that idea of Road to Puerto Rico, Freddie and I wrote that sketch together my variety show and that's where that picture is from tony would you ever think about doing a documentary these stories are unbelievable i mean you have had an incredible life meeting so many incredible elvis yeah pretty prince i mean the list goes on and on think about it. i want to talk to john orlando about this he's into it already he keeps telling me to do it no i just wrote a broadway show with Michael Lamarty, and it's being considered for Broadway. Like a lot of the performers have shows since uh -huh. Jersey Boys. Whatever happens is in the hands of God. Absolutely. But as far as a, of a documentary, if anybody could do one, it would be John. He'd know how. Oh, to, yeah, but yeah. Tony, amazing stories of people that you've met. You're not just Tony Orlando and Don. You're Vegas. You're a father, and and you have such a huge heart. You, I mean, I've seen you with your band and people and your fans. Eric, this guy with his fans, incredible, singing along. You give every autograph. You take every picture. Tony, I mean, you are a, a, such a special person. You know, Brad, I, I, they're the boss. I work for the audience. They're they sign my your check. They sign your paycheck. Yeah, I always said that. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And when I see performers that think they're too high and mighty, they won't sign an autograph, that's bullshit. That's not right. You just don't you just don't do that to someone who made your dreams come true. True. You know, I remember being at Yankee Stadium when I was a little kid. I won't mention the ball player's name, but he was a superstar. Oh <laughs> and I walked up and I said, Would you sign my autograph? He said, Get out of my way. Mm. I hate that. And I, and I I, I couldn't believe it with my ears. He literally shoved me away. That's terrible. And I think ever since that day, I never thought I could ever do that to anybody. Because to that person, that's a, a moment special. That means we met. That means we we broke bread or in terms of conversation, at least. We became, however short of time, we became friends. I thanked them. They thanked me. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Brad, one thing about Tony that it, this great resume you talked about Elvis and Carol O'Connor and, and Richard Pryor, the threesome. But what really endears me to Tony Orlando is he and he brought up Bob Hope. He won the award in excellence, a Congressional Medal uh, Award for the way he treats veterans. He's done more for veterans in his career. And someone who gives his life to the military like Tony does, that has to be mentioned here on Fat Dish. Absolutely. I'll tell you, if you got a minute, a story about Bob Hope and veterans. Yeah. <laughs> the award you're talking about is one I cherish. It's from the Congressional Medal of Honor recipients. Right. It's the Bob Hope of Excellence in the Entertainment Award. They named it after Bob. Of course, Bob was the leader for veterans all of his career. And went to the front lines and performed at the front lines. In foxholes, by the way. 
Bob did. So I get a call one day. Yellow Ribbon is out an hour and a half. I mean, just come out. And I get a call and I hear this on the phone. Hey, Tony Orlando, this is Bob, Yellow Ribbon Hope. And I said, yeah, yeah. Well, this is Frank Sinatra, I don't believe you. Who is this really? Who is it? No, it's really Bob Hope. And I realized it was Bob Hope. I said, my God, Mr. Hope, I said, why are you calling me? He said, well, I got your number from Tony Zoppi at the Riviera Hotel. He's the top by a friend of mine, works for the Dallas News. He said, listen, we're welcoming home our POWs from Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos. He said, would you mind coming and opening up the show for me? There'll be 70,000 people there. And that opening line, I'm coming home, I've done my time, and that song is what that day is all about. I said, well, I'd be honored to come. I said, but Mr. Hope, this record is not even a hit yet. It's only out. I don't People won't know it. He goes, what are you talking about? You're talking to Bob Hope. By the time you get to Dallas, at least in Dallas, it'll be number one. <laughs> I get to Dallas to do the show at the Cotton Bowl, and I get in the cab, and I swear to you, I hear, and now number one, number one, tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. By I said, I'll be darned. This guy has power. So I get to the show. I do the show, and there's 500 of the most, 500 of the bravest men I'll ever meet in my lifetime is the POWs. They've all been tortured to the point in the Hanoi Hilton. I couldn't even say it over this podcast. And I'm on stage, and I hear the audience singing the chorus to tie yellow ribbon. And I look down, and I see the 500 plus POWs tie a yellow ribbon. And their eyes hadn't even adjusted to daylight yet. They were in prison for eight, nine years. And there was one guy, one POW with his head down like this the whole time. It was driving me crazy. I thought, did I say something? Because I have the tendency of talking a lot, as you know. So I'm no, like, no, Tony, no. I'm talking, I'm talking. And I go off stage, I said, Mr. Hope, did you see that POW down there? that was head down, the other guy, did I say anything that could have upset him? He goes, Tony, go ask him. Okay. So I walk up to this guy and I said, excuse me, sir. I'm the opening act, Tony Orlando. I did that song, Yellow Ribbon. And I noticed you were the only POW that was head down, didn't clap, didn't sing along. Did I say anything to upset you? Because I talked a lot in between songs. It's Tony Orlando. No, 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 no. Let me introduce myself to you. My name is John McCain. Wow. He said, they pulled my sockets out of my shoulders and they broke my wrists. I can't clap my hands. And the reason I had my head down was because I was watching my toe keep time in my shoe while you sang your song. Wow. wow. And I thought, I'm going to dedicate my career from here on to anybody who serves this country. Because after listening to their stories, I thought, this, this hit record just can't go by. Well, lo and behold, what becomes the symbol for military is the Yellow Ribbon. You go to Desert Storm, they came home to Yellow Ribbons. You go to Iraq during that war, which I performed at for our troops there. The, they were on tanks, trucks, walls, and and uh, suites and uh, lunchrooms in Iraq. Then came Afghanistan. 
They were all over the place in Afghanistan. Then, as to this day, they are there to welcome home our troops. And this year, this coming May, I will reunion with those POWs at the Nixon Library after 50 years that I have been with them every single year. I've reunion with them for 50 straight years, you guys. I will be able to celebrate the anniversary of their homecoming and the anniversary of Yellow Ribbon being released in 1973 with them this coming May. What a moment that's going to be for me to embrace these guys who now become not only my heroes, but my brothers and sisters. You know, it's amazing. I've dedicated my whole career to veterans. So they tell me, I don't know how true this is, but I'm going to repeat what they tell me. That because of my free shows for veterans since 1973, they figure I've earned four veterans because I don't get paid for veterans' works. I do it for free and then donate it somewhere between 150 and 200 million dollars since 1973. You know, it's never about it's never about Tony. It's always about other people. God bless you, Tony. Tell us where you're going to be, where people can come see you. Tell us some of the stuff coming up for you. Well, you know, I'm on the road now a lot. I'll be, at, I'll be in Vegas, by the way, in August at the South Point, which I've been with. Listen, I've been with Michael Gaughan 24 years. That's a pretty long residency. That's a great room, by the way. That's a great room for it's you. It's a great old school room. Yeah. But I started with him at the at the uh, Orleans. Yeah, sure. The Sun Coast, then the South Point. And I've only stayed with him. I've turned down more money to be on the strip than to leave him. Because he's the last of the sole proprietors who cares about who works for him. And that's why I stayed. So it'll be my 24th year anniversary there in wow. August. Then I go on the road. But I do every single Saturday night a radio show, which I want everybody to know about. It's number one in New York in my time slot between 10 and midnight on WABC. It's, it's number one streaming worldwide at that time slot on all uh, platforms, by the way, FM, AM, streaming is a big hit for me. My first guest on that show was our friend, Adam Sandler. Uh. And, and I had Clive Davis on for four hours. And I've had just about everybody there is that's ever made a record on that show. And it's become a joy for me. So if you get a chance to listen, you go to Music Radio, uh, see, w, Music Radio, WABC.com. Music Radio, WABC. And you can stream it every Saturday night in your time zone. That's what I'm doing, and that's what I'm enjoying the most. Of course, I'm on the road. I pre-record those shows and, uh, and put them on the air. But uh, other than that, that's my, my – the only thing I want you to listen to is that show. If you see me in your area, in Atlantic City or Vegas or any of the casinos around the country, I'll see you there. I'll tell you, Tony, we got to do this documentary. You have stories. This is just, I mean, it scratches the surface. I hope I didn't take up too much of your time, Brad. I no, know. we'll put it together. I'll and, talk and, to Johnny. Oh, yeah, buddy, that's a papa. That's a dad right there. Anybody yeah. that reveres being a father like that, I look forward to being a brother to you, too. This man is oh, a great Fitch. father. Fitch is a great father. He's amazing, just like you, Tony. Thank you. Tony, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. You're going to come back. Would you come back and see us and tell us some more? I'll be a regular. I love you. Oh, oh my God. Wow. <laughs> Tony, you want. I love it, man. I love you. As my grandma would always say, you should only zeigezunt. You Zeigezunt. should only live and be well.
Ladies and gentlemen, Tony Orlando. What I do when I get to Vegas is go schwatzering. Oh, whatever that means. What is that? You don't know what that means in Yiddish? No. What does that mean? I'm learning, learning from you. Is that you what you're going to go to? Tush means? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. Put your ass on the table. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? So when you make a deal, you say, Tush is something tush. When you say schwatzering, if yeah. you're a mensch, that means we go cruising together. Oh, I love it. Oh, my God. To hang with you in Vegas? Forget yeah. about it. Come to the restaurant. He's always welcome. Your son, oh, you. Gonna, we'll go by, we'll go, we'll go by uh, a Fisher's restaurant. We'll have some have some Thanks, bread. Yes. Yeah, I look forward to that. Brad, yeah. I love you. Tony, my little you Tiffany, will you? I will tell uh, Tiffany. Uh, to uh, Tony, thank you for letting me grow up with you. Thank you for entertaining me. That's uh, the best I can You just made my day. You just Tony. made my day. Tony, keep touching lives. We'll be doing the documentary. I'm getting John on the phone right now. Get Jenny going. Love you, Tony. Love you too. Good travels. We'll see you soon. Pleasure. Love you. Tony Orlando. Wow. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Be well. Wow, Fish. Wow. Did you <laughs> like that? Phone? I told I mean, you. I've been doing podcasts for years. And, and the, the, how, how genuine is that, man? Oh. And the theme of the show today, and by the way, you're watching Fat Fish, which is live on YouTube, and uh, I'm, 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 I'm taking back Facebook, Spotify, Google, Apple, Amazon Podcasts, yeah. and that's a winner right there in life. And 62 years in show business, I, I'm i a loss of words. You've been around people, you've been around this business your whole life, and you're in your 50s. That right there. Wait, wait, wait. I'm 35 for the ladies. What are you talking about? Yeah, oh, Sure. Sure. <laughs> Speaking of that, I mean, how you? How are you? I'm doing. Uh, after that, I'm, oh. I, I mean, I, I'm flying high. I mean, that was absolutely incredible. The stories. He's so honest. I mean, this man, like he, like he told us before we started, no secrets. Let's talk about my life. He talked about Freddie. He talked about Elvis. I mean, my goodness gracious, a documentary has to be done with Tony yeah. Orlando. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about you because Maybe. sometimes you send Brad on road trips, right? Let me show you a picture of Brad at the University of Arizona. Can you see that? It's kind of small. <laughs> oh. it, well, that's Brad. Brad. Brad's got a thing called Wingman that we showed last week. And this basically started. That's Steve Kerr, who is the, a, a great Arizona basketball player. And went to, obviously, school with Brad. And he's with a nice young lady and a guy. And Brad's trying to jump in there. And this is Steve Kerr now with Brad last Wednesday, okay, at the, at the Clipper-Golden State game. And we have a video that we're going to show you of Brad just trying to, to, to chop it up and fat fish with Steve Kerr. Here, here. Okay, just put me in, yeah. buddy, okay? Yeah. Snacks, 42. So what, what should I look for? Defense, yeah. rebound, what's your specialty? Um, just looking for snacks. That's, that's all I want. That's all? Yeah, just pay me with snacks. Exactly. I don't even need anything. They have like a little thing on the sidelines right near the where I sit. No, yeah. With like a uh, little um, like lifesavers. Really? Yeah, and uh, throat lozenges oh. and gum. You know, is that good enough or no? No, do you have burgers or fries? Let me see what I can do. I'll talk to our I'm good, guy. man. I can hit three. Burgers and fries. Yeah. And three, three of them? And a jumper? You want to get him? Get on the phone? Anything you need, buddy. Look at me. I guarantee one thing: you will be open. <laughs> You're gonna be open. They're gonna leave him open. Coach Kerr, he knows. I love him. Oh man, he's the greatest. I don't know what happened to me. Can you hear me? I don't know. Well, uh, yeah, uh, I'm taking over. No, 
Steve Kerr is the most humble guy. I met him at the University of Arizona. Um, we had a class together. And uh, matter of fact, I met him in high school because uh, University High School, I played, uh, well, I rode the bench, but we played Palisades High School. And the coach put me in for some reason. And uh, Steve had 35 on me. Uh, he, he was a junior. I was a senior. And then I uh, reconnected with him at the University of Arizona. And the rest is history. And that picture, that was uh, the girl he was dating, Margot, that uh, ended up being his wife. She's a wonderful woman. Sweet. And that was my fraternity brother, Ron the Sauce Applebaum. And that was me. Just uh, We were chopping it up at my fraternity party, ZBT at the University of Arizona, and uh, it was great. Uh, and Steve gave me two tickets to the Clipper uh, Golden State game, and he let me uh, visit with him after the game, and we did a little, uh, you know, we did a little dog and pony show for everybody, and uh, Steve's great. He is, he, and let me tell you, just like Tony Orlando, Steve is humble. He is the same guy that he was at the University of Arizona. Okay, we all have a little bit more responsibility. He has a family, he's got kids. But the essence of Steve and the essence of Tony, same person. You know, right. they don't let, you know, their fame and fortune change them. And uh, that's the mark of an incredible human being. Just like you, Fish. Uh, I'm glad. Where, where did you go? I don't know. We lost the video and I, it won't come back. So there's something's going on. Can you still hear me? Of course. But I like, uh, how, I have, I like how I have the whole screen you're now. now. You're now, you're now Fish. So we, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to jump gears here and we're going to talk yeah. about you know, you did this with the with your nose about the mafia. So I, I put a little segment together about how the Raiders got their quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's go here. Okay. okay. That's right. a small house. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, there's Paulie Walnuts, Silvio Dante, Tony Soprano, Christopher Maltesante, and Angie Big Pussy uh, Bop and Sarah, right? So right. they made a phone call to the Raiders, and they signed this guy, Jimmy Garoppolo. Look at that black suit. Does wow. he look handsome or what? All right, yeah, so there, here's where I'm going with this. That's Jimmy Garoppolo, okay? And then all of a sudden, it was found out that Jimmy Garoppolo likes to date porn stars. So he comes out with this press. I'm excited to play in Las Vegas. I can't wait to meet Raider Nation and visit the Bunny Ranch, okay? This is not Photoshopped, okay? Oh, this actually happened. These, this is the Bunny Ranch. <laughs> Jimmy G. How cool is that? Oh, you know? my. I bet he's going to go to the, uh, the Bunny Ranch. I yeah. So yeah, what happened was, what happened, Brad, as it goes, is that the Raiders just lost uh, in, in they cut a kid named Derek Carr. Good nine-year career. Great guy. He's the kind of guy you want your da daughter to marry. But this is dinner at the Carr household. He's a church-going, religious zealot. This is dinner at the, at the Carr family, <laughs> right? <laughs> Drinking milk and water, all right? And now we got a guy, and we're all going to crescendo with this, is Jimmy G., is a partier. This is Jimmy G after a Raider win. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone fits the mantra like Tony Orlando does, anyone fits the mantra and the uh, the lifestyle of Las Vegas, welcome to Las Vegas, Jimmy G. Oh, and it's on that be note, good. being fat fish, we have a, we have a theme we're going to go for today. And by the way, I'm still blown away by, uh, oh, by the way, the Raiders came out, that fish podcast, the Raiders came out. Now, this is the Raider logo. We all know the Raider logo, right? Oh, look at that patch. You know, it's phenomenal. That's been that on their helmets since 1963. This is the new pat. This is the new Raider logo for Jimmy G. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That great? Do you have season tickets to the Raiders? Yes. 
Yes, wow. I do. And I'm excited. I'm excited about the, where they're going to go this year. And, and, um, you know, it, I like change sometimes, but I want you to read this quote that we have, because I want you to, I want you to change gears. I'll try and get my video back, but you're better looking anyway. So hang on, read this. Gorgeous. Yeah. Don't wait for things to get easier, simpler, better. Life will always be complicated. Learn to be happy right now. Otherwise you'll run out of time. Amen. Right. Exactly. You know, you got to live your life one day at a time and get rid of all the dreck in life. People that bring you down, be humble, be happy, help other people. You know, we, we spoke about some of the things that we do quietly um, in our lives for people that are less fortunate. And you know what? That's really what life's about. I mean, who cares about money, fame, cars, houses? A lot of those people are really alone. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I know they these people who in my life have told me like I decided to be an actor. I, I you know I kind of went against the grain. My parents and my grandma, who was my best friend, you know, after college, I got a job offer and I decided to be an actor. That made me happy. I, I did it because it made me happy, not because of the money and the fame. I, I'm I'm a working actor. I've been doing this for there you are. God, you're so good looking. Um I <laughs> I did it because I loved acting. I love making people laugh. That was my thing. When I was a kid, I made everybody bust up in my class. I wasn't a very good student, but I could make people laugh. And that's, you know, what I do. And everybody has a gift in this world. And you should recognize that gift and really apply that to your life and go with the flow. If, you're, if you are a person that should be a nurse, a doctor, a fireman, I mean, look at Tony talked about these servicemen who give their the ultimate sacrifice to protect us. This is the greatest country in the world, right? Well, you, you exactly. You know, you you uh, you said when I first met you, you said that you 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 tutelaged under Don Rickles, and Don Rickles told you when you make fun of somebody, it's the greatest form of flattery. And I make fun of people, and I could be a dick sometimes, but I really it means I really like you. And sometimes people can come off as abrasive. But look at their heart, okay? If the heart is good and there's no malice in what we do, then it's going to come out and people are going to know the real person that, that you are. And I'm, I'm all for helping other people because what, what's the alternative? What, what if there's a world where you don't help other people? You know, we, you know, when you watch all these shows that are apocalyptic, whether it's The Walking Dead, Last of Us, it's not so much the shows about the zombies anymore. It's about how humans mistreat other humans. Cause that's what happens. So we try on fat fish to get fat on life because you bring, I'm, I'm still <laughs> Tony Orlando. If we can get him as a regular, I'm getting rid of you. So. I, oh yeah. I'm gone. Trust me. I'd be honored. Tony is an amazing guy. I'm so glad he'll, I, I hope he'll come back on. I mean, he, 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 I, I got to talk to John Orlando about doing this documentary. Yeah. He is, yeah. yeah. We well, got other documentaries met, to worry about. He first, but. Met the biggest and the best, you know, yeah. Hey, he met you, right? Yeah, well, you know, yeah, you meet people for a reason, and and they ask you as a bartender what you fish. You remember people's. I remember people's names because it's sincere. I remember your name if I like you. If I don't know you, or don't like you, don't get in the bar. So it's that simple. <laughs> that's, uh, that, 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 well, that is what we do. And you, you know, you know, Brad, you know what you missed. I don't know if you've ever done it before, but you be an excellent bartender because you know how to read people. I'm not trying to kiss your ass, but please you know, do. I, but anyways, um, it's, <laughs> hey, 
I, I got to do it. Yes. I can start at your. I can start on your ass in California. End up in Wyoming. Anyway, <laughs> what a hey, you here all week. Hey, what we're at the Riviera all week. Opening for Orlando. The great thing that we that you've got in your life and I get in my life when they say I, I've mentioned this a million times. What's the greatest thing about bartending is I get to have new conversations with new people every night at work. I meet somebody new and I'm chopping it up. And that's the great thing about this podcast. I got to ask you a question, buddy. We talked about the shittiest dates that we had. You know, what's the best date you ever had? If you could give it, give sum it up in two minutes. Oh, the best date I've ever had. I've had a lot of them. Um, you know what? I just want to laugh. If I have a date where I'm laughing a lot, they're laughing at my jokes, but I'm just happy. I mean, that's the greatest date for me. I just want to have good conversation and a lot of laughs. And I've had that a uh, number of times. Um, but, you know, you know, you know, what you got to go back to is you had good parents. You have, I have good parents. It really starts there, you know, in life. Where are you going? Uh, what are you turning? I'm trying to get my, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be good right there. With, you look like Mr. Magoo with those glasses. We gotta uh, we gotta talk to the prop department. Yeah, there you are. You're you're yeah, you're a handsome guy. Don't put those there you go, the big fists. Oh, there you go. Oh yeah. Lick the fingers and do the eyebrows. Lick the fingers. Yeah. Oh, that's a great look for you. Oh my how's God. that? How how's the side view? Terrible. Absolutely terrible. Get back up. Um but no, I I think it's just any date, you know, you go out with your buddies, you laugh, you you, you know, you chop it up. You make fun of each other. That's fun, you know? And the endorphins in your body, they're working overdrive because you're having such a good time. So, you know, and I don't know. You're a married man. Maybe I should go on. Maybe we should have, like, part of the show. I'll go on, like, uh, 100 dates, you know, and we'll film them and see how they go. I'll go out with anybody. Yeah. I, I'm just a single oh, guy, you know, trying to make the world a better place. That's me. Sure. Well, yeah. my best dates, my wife, obviously, was just a great Barney's Beanery, and then we end up Fellini's, and then we, you know, we, we recorded, and it was great. I cannot, uh, I some of the best you. dates that I remember as a single guy, it's been so long ago, are the ones that start out as horrible dates, and you think, God, there's no conversation, there's no chemistry going on. Yeah. And then when you go to drop her off, she goes, you want to come up to have a drink, you know, and it ends up, yeah. how the hell did this happen? You right. know, those are some right. of the dates that I remember, and then, then you have the dates that go great. Oh, my right. God. And she loves sports, and she loves entertainment. And she loves my stupid ass jokes. <laughs> Never hear from her again, you know. And right. it's a firm handshake, the kind of handshake you go when you meet a, a fuller brush paint salesman. You know, how you doing there? My name is Tim. <laughs> I can't believe that your wife got you off the streets of love. Thank God. Oh, she is a she is a salt of the earth. I mean, you are off the streets for how many years now? How long have you been married? I so I do the math. Thirty four years. Wow, thirty. Best three years. months of her life. I said it all the time. No, I'm lucky. I'm blessed. You have an I'm amazing blessed. son. You have an amazing uh, a daughter-in-law and a wonderful granddaughter. Oh, Thank that's you. been your your blessed guy. You you deserve that, man. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Put those glasses back on. Well, okay. you you know what? This is the third show we've done for Fat Fish. Obviously, as the show is gaining big, you know, we're 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 treading in such a positive direction. Um, I, I heard everything I'm, went up. I'm when you... I, I know. I know. It's like a broken record, but Tony Orlando just floored me because have a life. He's only 78 years old, but have a life that full. And what I take out of the show before we get out of here, I'll, I'll let, let you get us out of here, is the fact that he lives his life to the fullest, and that's the best thing I could say to someone. He never. There's no. There's nothing boring in this guy's life. 
Uh, no. And you know what's great? There's people that are bitter and angry and blame everybody and deflect. That's how they live their life on a daily basis. Oh, woe's me. It's because of this person. Listen, no one cares about that. We all got problems. You know, put it away. Say you're sorry. Make up and move on. Because who cares? You know, life is so precious. You know, people get killed in car accidents and shootings and all this mishigas that's going on. Live your life every day. Get bad people out of your life. Hang around. If you, and by the way, you know this as well as I do. We all, you know, in grade school, ah, I'm going to invite 50 friends to my birthday party. Well, guess what? If you're lucky to have one now, if you're lucky to have two, three, you don't need a lot of friends. Just people that care about you and are there for you when you need them the most. Right. right? And reach out to people. Reach out. Give them talk yeah. to someone. I mean, I just had a you know, thing happened in my life a few weeks ago and, and, and people reach out and you reconnect mm -hmm. and you start reliving some nostalgic moments. It's fantastic in your life. We are fat fish. Look at this. We logo. Are fat I love that fish. logo. I we are fat too. fish podcast. This is episode number three. That guy is. I'm Brad Cocktails Grunberg. And I'm the fish man, Eric Snyder. And next week, buddy, we have Dave Brown on the show. Oh. We're going to get into the life of a bouncer. I love Dave. A bouncer, but this guy was a big bouncer in a big nightclub back in the big day. And I, we have stories that will knock, knock your, your ass. Uh, it's, it's unreal. And we get into that life and um, it, it'd be fun to chop it up with him because he's, <laughs> you, you won't believe what these guys go through as far oh, as I can. I, well, I worked at a club and I was very tight with all the bouncers. I know. Because I had to be a bouncer at times. But one thing about Dave, he's a face man like you. Gorgeous, really. And uh, he's really, a, he's a great guy. He's got a big heart. And you're going to hear all the great stories next week on Fat Fish. Hey, Fish, have a great week. You too, buddy. Love you, man. Love you too. Stay hey, safe. Thanks for listening, everybody. Tony Orlando, thanks again. We love you. God, what a blessing. Good night. Love you.